Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Entertaz IT Tech Talks, brought to you by Technology Worldwide. We have a huge, incredible, amazing, stupendous panel of our security experts on this evening. And uh, for round two of this roundtable, Mick is going to bring the team together and talk about some pretty cool topics. And since I, like Brandon, have no idea about these kind of topics and should never talk about these kind of things, I'm going to push it off to you, Mick. Let's get it rolling. All right. So we're, we're following up. Our last big one was uh, cloud-based access control. And now we're moving into cloud-based surveillance, right? It's a hot topic. It's out there. And uh, we're just going to go through it and have a little discussion about it, you know, go through, uh, you know, what makes it good, what makes it bad, and, and see how people are feeling and how people are using it. But uh, let's, let's first introduce everybody. Uh, Mick, I'm, I'm out of TriCare Security. I'm, I'm running out of Maryland. Uh, let's see. Mike, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Michael Miller, uh, TWG Security, uh, coming out of uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. Kyle, you're the next one on my screen. Yep. Kyle Baker out of uh, Birmingham, Alabama with uh, Sophia Consulting and Integration. You, Jeff? Hi, uh, Jeff Day, uh, Better Days Technology in Bristol, Rhode Island. Kevin? Uh, Kevin Braid of Control Freak Consulting in Ottawa, Ontario. Mr. Bear. Mr. Bear. I'm Uncle Bear with uh, the Security Today podcast brought to you by Sprinter Business Solutions. So, uh, you know what's up, man? I'm here. Brought to you by all over the country. That's where you're from. <laughs> I'll be everywhere. Nationwide. All right. So, I wanted to get everybody to talk cloud surveillance. And, and I think it's a hot topic right now. I know personally... I've been digging deep into cloud surveillance, doing the research. It was a big topic at ISC East for me this year, and I wanted to see everybody who's talking it. If it had cloud-based surveillance or CCTV in their logo, on their signs, I'll stop to talk to them. And there's a lot of companies out there doing it. There's a lot of companies out there doing it, and they're doing it in really cool ways. I think, I think one of the things that really... Uh, gets you is the value add that they're bringing with their cloud base and I think maybe let's start off with you know some of the misconceptions about cloud base who's being really successful in it and what their topology is right because if you think about it you're talking true cloud base that means you've got you know cameras on site you've got recording off-site you've got VMS off-site that's true cloud base and I think everybody kind of ran for the hills maybe four or five years ago when that was coming out. Because everybody, I, I remember when cloud base, the true cloud base was coming out four or five years ago, everybody ran away from it. They were basically saying, that is way too much bandwidth, way too much processing. You're going to choke my network running all this data outside. And they didn't want to touch it. Um, but now it's it's big. It's I would say it's it's well tuned and we'll get into some of the details of how some of these guys are doing it to make it a little bit more palatable for companies that just come on and say, yeah, I could do that. I could I could fit that requirement or the bandwidth or whatever it is that I need to make that run efficiently. And there are some limitations, right? That I don't think I've seen cloud cameras get into that enterprise, you know, I've got 420 cameras on one site, you know, is this right for me? 
Um, most of the time when I talk to those companies, they are shying away from that, right? If you're 420 cameras, I'm going to point you to somebody else because it's a little complicated for you to do cloud. But, you know, this panel here is, is we got a couple of different uh, ideologies here, a couple of different viewpoints, and we're going to get into all of that. Um, I'm just going in the order of the screen I see. Mike, how do you see cloud-based in, in your area where you're working, in your space? How is it working? Who's successful with it? And are, are, are companies, you know, signing up for it? Yeah, we're we're seeing some growth in that area. I mean, obviously, uh, the Vercada is uh, leading the charge marketing-wise. So, you know, when we walk in the mar talk to a client, you know, they already will either have a camera on a desk or it's a question, right, off the bat. So it, they're they're doing a ton of marketing for us. You know, I started testing this many years ago, and, and still in our area, you know, you can't get enough upload bandwidth. I think right now for... Standard business cable modem, max upload, you're getting 50 megs before you're going to fiber. So, you know, like you mentioned in the beginning, anything true cloud is really just not an option uh, at that point. Um, so, you know, we, we like, you know, managed video as a service, right? Where we have uh, our go-to really is uh, uh, Ava is really what I've been uh, pretty happy with, uh, but I've played with pretty much all of them. Um, all the different various vendors out there uh but i, I found ava has been the most flexible for us because we can go you know cloud to camera uh we can do third party uh cameras uh with their cloud connectors and we can mix and match uh so i think that's that's been our biggest um you know uh, tool when it comes to cloud so far for us yeah 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 kyle i want to save you for last because i know you have some bombs to drop <laughs> I don't know about that part, but Let, let's reverse it. Bear, right. talk to me. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, so um, I think when it comes to cloud cameras, yeah, Mike's right up our alley too. We've been looking at Ava, um, and it's just—I just feel like it's a trend that you'll just see more and more of um, getting the NVR off-site and uh, being able to just connect everything to a switch. And you can manage it from those switches and you can manage the VMS from browser based anywhere around the globe. That's just something that uh, we're not going to get rid of, e even if it's hard to uh, kind of swallow because it does push everything in a certain direction for our industry, for technology purposes. Uh, maybe that's a good direction. Maybe that's a bad. People can kind of, you know, weigh in on that. But uh, it's definitely coming and, and there's no real stopping it at this point. Definitely, definitely. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I would say I don't really uh, live in that field where there, um, there's any more than, you know, 40 cameras. So, you know, the cloud is pretty much a sweet spot for me. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I had an opportunity to be in one of these huge scenarios where there was hundreds of cameras and, you know, it just felt like, yeah, that cloud wasn't going to, hit the mark there but um you know a lot of these camera systems really are you know 20 and under and it really kind of starts to make sense um the bandwidth is starting to be uh less and less of a concern and uh it's starting to make more sense for uh smaller companies that would need that yeah how about you kevin i, I mean at this point I'm, I'm not really a huge fan of it um like when you think about 
the redundancy that's involved, right? Every good system is reliable. Every great system is redundant. Uh, if you're just relying on SD card storage on cameras, uh, I was already soured so badly by ADI, or sorry, Axis's uh, NVR killer back in the day that it relied exclusively upon SD card storage. And next thing you know, we're replacing two SD cards a camera every year. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't really see the advantage of it. Uh, above uh you know just putting in a, a handful of cameras so yeah I, I i know we're getting there and i know eventually it's it's going to be every system is going to be cloud-based but uh we're, we're not there yet uh especially from a you know reliability standpoint relying on that network connection for a security system just doesn't jive well with me very true kyle yeah i think um it's encouraging to hear. I think that everybody at least has like a, a slow and tempered kind of testing mindset to the cloud video surveillance. Cause I think we need that. Um, and like I've been testing, so we're Ava dealers technically I haven't sold any yet. I've tried a couple times, but, uh, you know, Ava, Cumulex, Eagle Eye, we've kind of looked, um, cam cloud looked into all of them. And I price them side by side sometimes, um, look at the pros and cons, help the customers weigh, weigh pros and cons. Um, I think in uh, contradiction to like cloud access control, uh, you know, cloud access control feels like it's fully there for, uh, you know, as like the lead now. And uh, there's features that you add from cloud access control that you can't get from non-cloud, you know, from on-prem. Um, I don't see that yet with, uh, with cloud video surveillance. I think there's outside of the storage being offsite, there's multiple ways to make that happen. Um, you know, there's like, for instance, with Wave, there's a, a plugin where you can, uh, you can roll storage to the cloud after X, you know, X amount of recording terabytes or whatever. You can roll it into hot store, or cold store. You can create redundancy through SD cards on the camera uh, local, you could even do something as simple as people have Office 365, Dropbox, all this kind of stuff now. Uh, what's to stop somebody from doing just a cloud backup of the of the video files as their redundancy? So I think you have. Um, I love the idea of it. I'm I'm not against it, and I'm pro like continuing to push it and push the fo technology forward. I'm with Kevin though. I don't think it's there yet. Um, I think there's very few scenarios where it makes sense. And I'll tell you, like, probably the best example I had, um, I had a customer who approached me specifically for cloud video surveillance. Uh, they had 38 cameras at a hotel. Uh, they're like, we want cloud, we want cloud. Um, so we priced out uh, Eagle Eye for them. And I could tell they had some slow response to it. And uh, But it was for 38 cameras at 2 megapixels for 30 days of storage. So they got four or five megapixel cameras everywhere. They're only recording it at two megapixel and it was $800 a month um, to do that. Uh, and still cost probably eight grand up front um, to replace just their NVR or yeah, replace their NVR with the bridge and everything. And we price, I could kind of go back and forth on them and then we price uh, WiseNet Wave right next to it. And it was two or three thousand dollars more up front, but the total cost of ownership difference over five years was sixty thousand dollars. 
And at that point, like, it, there's no benefit to them. Uh, what they wanted was certain cloud accessibility. And so all we did was, uh, you know, I really just kind of dug in what are you wanting from the cloud? And it was really the access to the video. It was the ability to export easily, view easily, mobile app, all this kind of stuff, which you can do with most on-prem systems that have some type of cloud user management. Um, so that was, that was kind of a, an eye-opener even for me to say, okay, I need to like really consider this fully maybe and just keep testing, keep pushing. Um, and that, that's kind of where we, we sit right now as far as what we offer. But um, all, like, I'm, I'm loving what Ava's doing with uh, analytics and um, there's a lot of cool things that are there and a lot of potential. It's just not like my customer base yet. It doesn't make sense for who we sell to yet. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I would say if you want to compare something like Wave to a cloud system, you're you're always going to get into that because, you know, like we said before, there's the true cloud where everything is off-site, right? You've got the recordings off-site, the VMS off-site, everything is truly off-site. But from what I see, the people who are leading this space right now from my research are not true cloud. And I'll... And I'll get into that more. They are, like you said, recording at the edge. They're recording on SD cards or whatever they call proprietary storage, which is probably an SD card, you know, soldered on or whatever they did to it to make it stay because they're stuck there, right? And then they're doing the VMS part also on the camera, right? And and that's, that's an interesting way to do this. So they've kind of taking the hybrid approach, the people that I see it, and Ava's one of them, you know, you've got Rhombus, you've got a lot of them, but a lot of them are running applications on the camera, storage on the camera. Yes, SD cards are not as good as, you know, a surveillance grade, a WD purple or anything like that, hands down. But they're a lot better than they were two years ago, right? They have improved them a whole lot in the last two years. And a lot of the VMS functionality is actually embedded in the camera. Yes, you have the outside, the browser, but the browser is really um, a connection point, right? It's not really the hardcore. And the thing that we have, usually you think cloud cameras, I lose my internet connection, I lose my cameras. Well, the guys leading the space now, they've solved that. The cameras stay recording, and it's, it's more of, you know, when I get internet back, then I get my features back. Then I get to see it, all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot of advancement in the area, a lot of advancement. So, and then the, the big thing that I see, what really pushed me away, from, not away from on-prem, because I'll still do a ton of on-prem, and there are still people who, like you said, this is better for you, right? Because it's all about the customer and what's best for the customer, right? You're the professional. You have to recommend what's best for them. And I would say, like you were saying, just that connectivity, right? The being able to manage it from anywhere, see it from anywhere. There are, you, It's hard to find a VMS that doesn't do that now. Like, th it's hard to find a VMS that you have to literally be on-prem to manage, right? All of them have that dashboard where you can come in, come out. You know, there, there are exceptions to it, but um, most of them have that capability now, right? Full, full features, you can manage it remotely. And that's awesome, but what sets these apart is those analytics. And those analytics are so shiny and sweet. I mean, honestly, I, I've showed them, I, I was impressed when I saw them myself. 
and it seems to be across the board. I mean, it looks like all of those cloud companies are just hitting you with analytics that are not available to you or were not available to you previously, right? Because if you, if you look back at it, we've had heat maps. We've had people counting. We've had all of those fancy features on Hanwha X-Series, on Axis cameras for years. I'm talking four or five years back. It's been available. Is it usable? And the answer to that is generally no. It's not usable. I remember when we were doing X-Series cameras, the heat map and people counting was an FTP. That's how you got the data. You got it FTP'd, right? Was it available in, you know, integrated in your VMS? No, it wasn't available integrated in your VMS. So you really weren't able to digest those fancy analytics in the way that you can digest them in some of these cloud platforms. Now, I'm not saying an on-prem couldn't match them and, and come up with these analytics, but these cloud companies are leading with it. They're leading with these analytics because that's what's the shiny new tool. And, you know, for your small systems, I know Wave very well. These small systems, you couldn't get that kind of full feature. You couldn't get those. You might have to step up to an upper level, you know, ACM or, or you know, a Genetech to really get those deep integrations but now they're available and they're available to the small markets, right? Like you said, those 20 cameras and under, these things are available and they are nice. I mean, I am really impressed with, with some of the stuff that they can do because I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a place and, and we've done the, the, the survey, the walkthrough, and they're telling me, you know, how's facial recognition? I, I mean we don't do a lot of facial recognition because the VMSs that I work with mostly don't support it. You know, I mean, you can't do that in wave and spectrum. It's not available, you know? So it, it, I think when they lead with that, it's really enticing and it really gets that customer like, Oh, that's what I want because they're always asking for it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked about facial recognition and stuff like that. And, and generally it's like, Unless you're willing to step up to the upper echelon of VMSs, those things are really not feasible for you. So I just wanted to comment a couple of things because just to make everybody clear, uh, if you know this or not, but with Ava, with your license, you get 30 days of cloud archiving included. So if you're worried about, you know, SD cards failing, you can, it's free, you know, you basically archive to the cloud. And now you come into uh, some you know, restraints of your WAN connection, right? And obviously what else is going on, but they give you some pretty good limitations or, or I say control of when you can send that bandwidth up to the cloud, which I find really useful. And then the other tool that we're using there is, uh, uh, you know, offering uh, backup internet connections, LTE connections, things like that, if clients want to, uh, are, are worried about that. So I just wanted to, I don't know if anybody, everybody knew that or not with Ava. Uh, full upload can happen. Sorry, what was that? You can uh, set the time of the night where that full upload will happen. Yeah, you can limit when it's going to happen, but you know, if, if depending on how many cameras you have, you know, it's still you know it's, you still have to stuff that that much data through the same pipe, right? So uh, you know, I've had a client because um, that was actually just enabled not too long ago. I have a client with about fifteen cameras. And uh, we were probably running for about two weeks. It took a while for it to catch up because we just limited it at nighttime, you know, like yeah. six o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night till like four o'clock in the morning. It took a while, but now it's it's all caught up. 
And the other, what else is too pretty cool is I haven't tried this yet, but uh, apparently you can point Ava to your own storage if you wanted to, which is pretty slick. Yeah, that's a new one. I didn't know that, but I'm very new to Ava. I, I just finished signing paperwork two, three weeks ago, and I'm waiting on my demo cameras to get started. So, so just to give you guys a uh, heads up, I played with Ava when it was Vion. They, they literally came to my office about six years ago and dropped the server off on my desk and be like, check this out. And uh, what I thought was impressive or was interesting, because the first one was uh, rather basic, uh, but I gave them feedback and then they're like, okay. And they took it back and about a couple months later, they came back and like, we want you to test it again. I'm like, okay. And they actually listened. So a lot of the features and a lot of things that, that, that I recommended to them that they were missing, they actually, they actually did. So I thought that was really impressive. Uh, but I, I've been, I have a lot of experience with Ava at, at this point. So, Kyle, do you think, and this is for Kyle and Kevin, obviously, um, do you think that price is, is kind of the only hurdle here? Or are you thinking that there's maybe more uh, problems that you see with it right now being implemented? Now, I know for me, it's the two biggest things are price and bandwidth. Uh, obviously those are, those are kind of the main things. Now, uh, Mick brings up a great point about the analytics side and, and need it, you know, that cost comparison to be able to bring in some of these advanced analytics versus bring in like a, you know, a higher power VMS with the cameras that are needed to do, uh, some of the stuff he's talking about from an analytics standpoint, that's a cost benefit where it probably does lean cloud. Um, I think for, like I said, I think the, no, the size of that total cost of ownership number really shocked me. Like, is it, if I were to look at you and just say, is direct to cloud off, off premises storage of your video worth $60,000 over the next five years? Is your answer yes or no? Um, and that's, that number for, for a 38 camera system was like really shocking to me because we, we always hear about how cloud is. Uh, you know, it, it does kind of bake in when it comes to the access control side, but with a video, like it, that doesn't, that number didn't make sense. The other thing that was now, again, we're, we're going to make a separation in the marketplace here because I definitely am like a lot closer to, and there's certain solutions and scenarios where I am leading with uh, trying to sell an Ava. Um, and I'm trying to think like uh, I don't sell them personally, but Verkata and Rhombus are in the same veins um, as far as what they do and what you guys have talked about, which is uh, on-prem, like the, the camera doing the bulk of the work and then timing, like Mike said, like timing your uh, your upload of, of data and everything. Um, it's the it's the other piece of it where, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know, just the the ser the whole like I, the servers on site, like you're getting all this cloud functionality basically out of most systems. And the total cost of ownership over the course of X number of years doesn't make sense. The um, in part because of like with Eagle Eye, for instance, or Cam Cloud, or something like that, where you're having to pay different prices for different resolutions, and um, that's the part that kind of was like a big a big halt with me and Eagle Eye when I went down that road a little bit was okay. We've got all these five megapixel, four megapixel cameras are pretty standard now, and a two megapixel camera is costing a customer $22 a month to store for 30 days. That didn't make much sense, but I think, I think like we've talked about Ava and some of these other guys that have addressed some of that. Um, 
Kev? Yeah, there, there's no question for for me. It's it's, it's price, and uh, I mean my my business is, is geared towards uh, MDUs, apartment buildings, things like that. A lot of I work a lot in the rental industry, and for the most part, my clients will spend large amounts of money up front just to reduce ongoing costs because they know in the rental business uh, your income is in getting people to pay things per month and they'll do everything in their power to avoid these monthly fees so i i mean systems that have monthly fees to me um and for for my just the client base that i have are kind of poison so it's especially a, a hard sell for me although you know i i love the product and if i'm not the person paying for it and somebody's willing to pay for it uh, absolutely i think it's a great idea and, and i do think it's the future but right now for me it, it's it's such a tough sell that um I wouldn't even pitch it to the majority of my clients. Now, now keep in mind too, uh, like a lot of these systems, like Ava and Verkata, it's not a monthly cost. You're paying up front, either one, three, or five years. So, you know, I usually spin this around the clients to be like, you know, you can pay five years, and you don't have to think about anything for five years. So, you really are paying up front at that point, and it's predictable cost of what they know. Yeah, that's a pre that's a pretty large. Uh, amount of money though on top of the camera that you're paying for so you're talking ava percot all that stuff we're talking a thousand fifteen hundred dollar cameras typically and then the cabling and the installation stuff and then you know that roughly two hundred dollars a year 150 to two hundred dollars a year added up i mean that's still an additional fee to the the camera system itself if you sell it that way like i said i, I position it where it's all up front and you don't have to think about it i mean I really think it takes some confidence to do this. You know, I, I was afraid of it. Some of my guys are afraid of it. I just talked to one of my uh, sales guys the other day. He's like, I don't know if they're going to get Ava or not. And I'm like, just quote it. You'll be fine. Guess what? They bought it uh, because he went in and he offered it. Um, and he was confident when he did it after I talked to him. So I, I definitely think there's, you know, there's a lot of benefits for us, too, uh, in, in this. The simplicity of installation, the scalability, the no single point of failure. I mean, that's those are all I'm just picking lines out of Ricotta's book right there. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of advantages in, in that aspect. Um, cost, you know, it's not the cheapest on the market, like flat out. Like if you're, you're competing with the rings and, and all those guys, like it ain't going to happen. But you got to sell the value, uh, and, and it is there. And clients are clients are, are uh, definitely picking up on it. Yeah, I, I would definitely say it, it's analytics is really you know that that's when I've when I've approached it, I try to lead with that because that's the shiny, that's the shiny toy that that really kind of brings them in. Because I mean, think about it. Think about what you had to do to integrate LPR into wave. How easy was that, Kyle? Have you have you done that? Yeah, I mean I've done the uh the Hanwell LPR into wave. That stuff's easy. I mean they make yeah. their own LPR. So I mean it's it's the facial rec and, and some of those things that we you know, that's that's outside of um you know that scope. So we yeah, LPR facial stuff is easy. And now you've though. got and now you've got object classification and stuff as well in wave. Because Wave uses that NX witness, and they just came out with an update that does facial rec, and yeah. it'll 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 follow that. It's all is that in the new five point That the other thing that I'm torn on though, when it comes to cloud security, because I I feel I feel pretty torn on it. From one standpoint, it is the technology that's coming down the pipe. I want to embrace that. I want to be someone who's out there on the cutting edge, so that 
you know, if there's any money to make, you can start making it as early as possible. And then you do have some of the bumps in it from like price and bandwidth and it isn't it isn't a solution all across the board. So it may work for clients that can pay five years up front, but it's not gonna work for clients that like MDUs or rentals that want, you know, low cost over time because of, you know, looking to sell the property or something like that. And then I also come into a little like this might be a little bit of a left turn to philosophical land or whatever but from the standpoint of number one the the privacy of that storage being on somebody else's server and not on an on-prem device and I understand that it can be accessed um, you know from from a mobile device or a browser or getting into it but that is now that is now Ava's that is now Vercata's and so there is I do tear a little bit at that and I also tear a little bit at like Moore's law that we're we're barreling too fast into the future that we don't have a, a good grip on technology to begin with and it's gonna get out of control and hurt us uh, in, instead of helping us that's personal and philosophical but <laughs> I do feel like I do I do feel a tear when it comes to cloud cameras and it does feel a little different than cloud access so, well, I mean, that's, that's a very valid point because somebody, uh, you know, let's say the person that owns the storage could be subpoenaed to, uh, you know, produce footage, which could be incriminating to some people. Whereas if you had that stored locally, uh, it's you that has the power over that. And who knows how well, long they actually could... store it for? Like, you, sure, you're, you're paying for 30 days for the storage, but that's not to say that uh, a decade down the road that data still isn't available in the eyes of the law yeah. i don't know that there's there's a famous patriots player who had that stuff stored on his own nvr and he still got it subpoenaed somehow <laughs> well that famous yeah, was... patriots player was not the smartest man in the world was he <laughs> i mean subpoenas come after on-prem nvrs just as easily <laughs> yeah but uh, i mean the, the, the guy could have taken a taken a hammer to his hard drive and uh well he still wouldn't have been any better off because they're I, I think oh, there was enough incriminating good. evidence uh, in that situation. Well, I like that we're getting but, into some of this. I mean, it's it's good to bounce some of these things off, and some of them are a little far-reaching. Like, you know, is somebody is somebody really going to access an entire uh, um, you know uh, storage, cloud storage, of video surveillance with one password? Uh, yeah, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> this happened. Uh, um, no, but I mean, we're, we're getting into some of these ideas, and, and the whole point is like we got to ask the tough questions of ourselves. I think Mike's Mike's right as well, and like that sometimes we have to be bold enough to ask it. We don't, or to to present it. I'm a big fan of presenting options to our customers when it comes to proposals. Um, always give you know here you know some people would think of like good, better, best, but sometimes it's like here's you know this right side, here's this left side you know, and, and what fits you best, help them walk through the pros and the cons, understanding what that means, what it doesn't, and being confident in knowing, like, what you suggest for them or what you see based on what you've talked to them about might be the best, but at the end of the day, it's their decision to make. Um, one question I have for Mike, maybe, who, who probably does more of the cloud video surveillance um, than maybe the rest of us, but, uh, and this is, I guess, a good thing to think about for everybody, though, is, when you're selling cloud in general, whether it's cloud access or video, 
Um, we talked a little bit about this is your upfront costs on a lot of these systems are still pretty much the same, whether you have a recurring or you don't. So I guess my question, like the heart as far as hardware and stuff goes, does anybody, Mike, anybody else take any less on like your labor or do you knock some of the price down initially up front to get it a little bit more palatable um, for the customer because you know you're getting it on the back end as far as residuals? We don't discount the labor. I mean, I'll discount the hardware, the fixed hardware costs, but and but I won't discount the recurring costs. I found that to work out uh, pretty well. Yeah, I think I would probably echo that. Um, you know, especially as a Vercata reseller, there's there's a lot of play there um, for hardware. Um, so yeah, the the you know you know you're getting the labor. Um, you, with a lot of these, you know, you're getting some piece of the reoccurring revenue as well. Um, like Mike said, sometimes it makes sense to try to include the five-year license at the beginning. Um, but you know, a lot of times, you know, they like the product they want into, they want to have it. Uh, they can't afford the fight. They don't want to tack on the five-year. So when that happens, it's kind of like uh, bittersweet for me. Cause I know, well, a year from now they'll be looking to renew and there's a there's a potential for revenue there so i mean i think you're right kyle you you just kind of have to know the customer know their needs and kind of be along for the ride because you're probably going to be their camera vendor for a long time and um so uh it does make sense at the beginning to try to you know if 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 it's a sale that you really want uh that's how i normally operate if it's a customer that i'm really excited about doing work with and it's a project that i'm into um i'll make a game time decision on that yeah another way hey, sorry guys i gotta just, sign off just... go ahead kevin sorry no, i was just saying i gotta sign off it was good chatting with you guys good chat good Thanks. to see you kevin yeah, you know, one of the ways I look at things is scalability too. I don't look at doing it once or ten times. I look at it doing a hundred or a thousand times. You know, uh, how can I scale this up and manage it? And I found that Ava has been very helpful installation-wise. You know, for managing systems, I can install them faster. We can manage them easier. We can troubleshoot them faster. Um, so I, that that's also something that kind of plays in our thoughts there, also uh, with with clients too. And Kyle, <clears throat> the only piece I want to echo, and this is for everybody listening to this, there is a perceived value with labor costs. And if you lower your cost of your labor, you are telling your customer that your value is worth less. So you never, ever, ever want to do that. Because yeah. keep in mind, let's just say for easy numbers, you're charging a customer 100 bucks an hour one day. And the next day to do another project, you're charging them 50 bucks an hour. That will always, every time, come back to bite you because they're going to say to you, well, you discounted your labor from me before. Why won't you do it again? So there's there's other ways to make that money back without lowering your perceived value to the client. And, that, and yeah. that's only if it's itemized, right? I mean, like if you're quoting out the project, right. I think you're, yeah, you, you're making it up there, on the other there's and, different and ways that there's different ways to hide all of that stuff. And like I said, I don't I don't dis discount my labor either. I was kind of curious how everybody approached it. Um, I I kind of approach it the same way uh, as Mike does. I try to I just lower my markups on on the hardware. Um, but you know that that's one of the things that that I found uh, really interesting is that um, 
at least a few years ago, and I think it's changing a little bit now because there are some more added values with some of these systems. But uh, for the cost of the system to come in at the same upfront cost, you know, virtually the same upfront cost, and then to say, oh, yeah, also for every camera, $200 a year, you know, for the life of the camera, um, for the customer that doesn't always, like, make the most sense. And I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, I'd say, like, if I really want that, that you know, that sale and, and I'm pushing for it and, and they buck back a little bit, then that's where I would go is maybe discounting that hardware a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like, six dozen one way half, uh, you know, six one way half dozen the other, uh, you're, you're still cutting some of your costs. Uh, or some of your price, but you know, I don't know if you guys have you guys seen the flex camera from Ava yet. I just I, I saw advertisements for it. I haven't looked into it yet, though. I mean, it's an indoor fixed lens, you know, camera, but its end user price is two hundred eighty nine dollars. Nice. So, I mean, you start talking that pricing gets a lot more appetizing for a lot more clients. Again, indoor only. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, a lower cost camera. It's not vandal proof, any of that stuff, but uh, it definitely opens some doors for clients there too. Hey, Jeff, I wanted to ask you something. When you're selling Verkata, right? Yeah. What are you selling to them, right? I know you're not just saying, hey, you're Verkata, but I mean, what are the features? What makes Verkata attractive? Sure. Um, I think for me, um, it's main attraction for my customer because, like, you know, I'll go into a camera sale and it's um, I used to have um, our local Internet service provider sold a camera system. So and I was getting commission on that. So that was like one offer. It had the monthly reoccurring, you know, similar. Um, they've since are about to discontinue that. But um, <laughs> that was in the bag for a little while. Um, then, you know, you had that local on-site camera system, uh, same, same labor of wiring, same basic labor of installation. So that was kind of like you talk about that. Uh, for me, the, the Verkata difference, if you'll go that far, is how it integrates with some of the other uh, technologies that a company is looking to have on-site. And, you know, are they a customer that only wants you know, to deal with one vendor, one piece of technology? I hate this expression more than anything, that single pane of glass. I, I hate saying it, but it's like in our industry, you can't hide from it. But if you want all of those on one screen, um, it's attractive, you know? And like Mike said, they flood the market with trial cameras. They're everywhere before you even get there. So um, they're able to plug it into a POE switch and go. So they're familiar with it. Um, they get a taste of that software. So for me, it's it's not selling Verkata. It's it's hearing that what experience do they want out of not just their camera system. I know we're talking about cameras tonight, but for me, it's it's everything like how it integrates with their alarm system, how you're able to tie a camera to one of their alarm sensors. And when that alarm sensor triggers in the middle of the night, it, it links up in the log to that camera and you're able to click on that and get instant, like, oh, it turns out it was just a cat, you know? And it's like, not a big deal. So um, it really all depends. It's not for everyone, I get it. It's got a lot of um, hurdles to clear. Um, 
But uh, if it makes sense for the customer, it makes sense for me. And, um, you know, if that's if that's something that they want to go forward with, um, I'm there to support it and install it. So one thing, I mean, Verkata's camera pricing is one thing. It's, it's I mean, they're about the same price. Well, the, the licensing about the same price as Ava. Cameras are a little cheaper uh, on, on Ava. But yeah, the access control is really expensive. And same thing with alarm system, really expensive compared to other options out there. You know, are, are you pushing all that or are they just flopping your leads? Oh, uh, no, it's, um, I, I'd say I'm only, leads are only probably about 20% of my relationship with Verkata. I'd say a lot of it is pretty much, you know, a customer who wants that single experience, you know, that, that one login that's got all three or four. Um, you know, they have that guest feature that a lot of people are, are into, um, especially in the services that I, uh, in the industries that I service. Um I have a lot of cannabis clients, so they love that whole, that login feature. You get to the front desk, you got that Dymo printer right there with their, their sticker if you needed it. Um, it, it so it's, um, it's all inclusive, and, and some customers really want that. So you're right. Um, their alarm system is more. Um, their, their access control, while I would argue is, is got a lot of simplicity to it, I get it. It's, it is more. So it all depends. Um, it's really got to meet the customer's needs. It's not, it's not something that I push, to be honest with you, Mike. It's really just like, a, hey, have you checked this out? And then they fall, like, like Mick said, they fall in love with the analytics. It, it's, it's very attractive. And, um, you know, it, it's sometimes they just like, hey, are you going to support this? Cause we're into it. And I'm like, if, if, if you're into it, we're going to do it, you know? So I, I wouldn't say it's, it's a push uh, for me more so than it is an introduction. I, I would say that's the best way to describe it. I'm introducing them to a product that they've heard of. Um, if that makes any sense. And then it's just really up to them to uh, decide if it fits. And I think one thing that's really important is, I keep bringing up these analytics. I've seen these analytics, and I know Bear and I have talked about this a lot. Those analytics really push surveillance from the investigative into the proactive. Yeah. And as a security professional, that is exactly where we want to be. We want to stop things before they happen or before they get too bad, right? You want to be on it. You want to be on it. Even though, you know, most shops... Unless you're that very large one, do not have a command center, a sock somewhere with guards, watching footage, getting alerts 24-7. I mean, yes, there are people who do that, but the majority don't do that, right? They're very, you know, they, they react. They react to, oh, something happened last night, go pull the tapes. When these analytics are so good that they're getting to the point where they're catching things real time. I'll give you just an example. Recent news. They had, I don't. I was trying to find out what the name of the system, but I couldn't find it. Uh, in New York, Radio City Music Hall. A lawyer from a company that is suing the ownership of that establishment, Radio City MSG, walks in to do, uh, I think it's the Rockette Show. As she's walking through the metal detectors, Security approaches her, lets her know that they've identified her, got her ID, whatever it is, and that she's not allowed in the building. Now, we could go on a whole tangent about do you like that? Is it ethical? 
I think legally it's fine, but I think there are some scenarios where that is important, and that is um, it's good security, right? If I if I got a guy who I know trashed the place two weekends ago, and I want to be alerted as soon as they walk in the building, how attractive is that? Yeah, and I mean, you guys who know me best know my background is in uh, technology education. I was an IT director at private schools my whole career before I branched out on my own. And that was key for us for, um, for, uh, for safeguarding our students. You know, if we knew we had an offender, um, if we knew we had a, um, you know, a father that wasn't allowed on premises, these are the, the tools that we were able to deploy to make sure that we were being um, proactive because you're absolutely right, Mick. A camera system is totally reactive. You know, I, the, the funniest engagements I'll have is when, you know, I'll, I'll go to sell a camera system to some guy and he'll say, oh, I, I want to see the broccoli in this guy's teeth. And it's like, all right, cool, man. What are you going to do with that footage? You know, like, I mean, I, you're going to go bring it to the local precinct and they're going to catch that guy. You know, it's like, it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? So it's like, the more proactive your camera system can be, yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head, the more valuable it's going to be. And I know in education, that that's huge for us to try to, because it's not, you know, we talk about like the shooter and like all the drastic things that can happen on a campus. And, and it's, yes, it's it's horrendous. But the reality is it's it's a dad who's not supposed to be on campus. It's a mom who doesn't have visitation rights. It's a grandparent that's not supposed to be there. And, you know, these are where a real slick camera system can actually be worth its, its the, the upfront cost. So, yeah, in federal and criminological literature, they call that left of bang. So if you have like the, the bang is the event and on a timeline, you're trying to stay to the left of it. And so that that premise of left of bang can can run in not just the analytics, but like Jeff was saying, the integrations, the, the, the ability to take multiple facets of your security system and tie them together so that you're staying left of bang, that that you're using it in uh, in a way that causes the security system to protect you from the threat or the risk and mitigate it before it even really gets onto campus is something that is not just attractive. I mean, that's easy to sell. You put that in front of somebody in, the, in, in any industry where they need someone not to be on site, it's like, oh yeah, we would love that. But from the heart of what security is, you're, you're, you're touching it. I mean, at that point, you, you've, cut the, you've cut it open and you're touching the heart of it. So it's interesting you guys bring up analytics. Just, I think they're fascinating. I mean, uh, you guys know, uh, do you remember Video IQ? Anybody remember who Video IQ was? Yeah. I actually don't. So, it was a while back, yeah? Yeah, so that was, that was a long time ago. So they, they started out self-learning analytics like uh, 10, 15 years ago in that range. Um, and they were some of the best that were out there, right? There was a lot of back then... And up until recently, there was a lot of uh, overhyping in analytics, right? And back then, a lot of the systems, you know, you actually had to tell it how big objects were in the field of view, and it was a lot of setup, and it was a lot of work, and they were not very good. Um, 
you know, uh, a Vigilant bought them uh, back in 2013 uh, is when they bought them. So uh, we've been actually, you know, doing analytics for uh, a long time, uh, especially when it got integrated with the Vigilant. I, I was really excited about that. But I can tell you, you know, we do a lot of enterprise clients, a lot, a lot of medium clients, but we have a lot of bigger clients also. Most clients aren't actually using the analytics, which I find very interesting. You, you go in and you sell them true. to the leadership team, they get all excited, and then, but the guy actually using the computer, the guy actually using the client machine, like, he barely knows how to use a mouse. Like, he, he they aren't really using the analytics. Yeah, no, I, I, I think for, that's true. Yeah, I worked for a national um, security provider, and we had some some of the some large national clients that were in the financial sector and um you would get onto their sites and it would just be running as if you slapped uh, like VivaTech or like you, you know some like Lorex like they put a Lorex in VR and cameras in there it's doing the same thing that they've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for raid storage and their you know access and and all that stuff and yeah the analytics aren't even running I mean, I've seen that a lot. There's a lot of people who are out there, you know, they they got the Cadillacs, but they're driving it to the back and forth to the to the grocery store. You know what I mean? That's all they're using it for, and it's just something that you know, like you said, you sold it to the uppers, the execs, they loved it, and then the guy at the desk is like, "What? I don't I don't know. I just open it up every day, man. Leave me alone." You know, so that that happens, and and you try. We try our best to, you know, get, you know, we set it up, we make sure it does what it's supposed to do. But yeah, at the end of the day, somebody's got to actually come in and, and say, oh, I'm going to use it. Or, you know, it's like the alert, right? I, I got the guy who trashed the place two weeks ago. It goes to somebody's phone and he does nothing. So, you know, there's always that, that margin of error that we have to accept. And, I, and, and, you know, Professor Bear said it best, you know, that whole left of bang speech, it was beautiful. But he's right. You know, you want to be ahead of the curve. You don't want to, you know, have all these things happen and then you come after the fact, right? Wouldn't it be nice to stop something? Wouldn't it be nice to get ahead of it? You know? Um, well, I think one of the big things with cloud that is really the, the, the sheer processing power and the scalability that you have at cloud is really going to help analytics get better. Um, just seeing that and just knowing what I know from talking to different vendors, that's really going to start pushing some things um, to a new level. Yeah, and you're able to roll out um, updates much faster, you know? So, like, all those analytical changes that are being made, um, that that's sometimes one of the selling points is, like, you know, you, you buy an NVR, you're putting it on site, some along the way something isn't able to happen because you have an older piece of hardware versus a lot of this cloud-based uh, uh, camera stuff. Um, they're making changes on the fly and they're able to roll it out like then and it works with your hardware that's on site. Um, you don't always get that. Um, with well, just stuff. like the, the conversation we had with access control, the systems don't update themselves, right? Yeah. So like you, 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 you may buy a system like Wave, right? And they're not paying that, you know, annual cost or whatever, but are you going to go out there every time there's a new update and update it? Are you doing that for free? If it's even available or possible on the hardware that exists, you know, that's the other problem. And, you know, I think it's kind of 
it's unfortunate. I, we've moved that way with almost literally every piece of technology that we have. I mean, right down to Adobe, you can't even buy a, a Photoshop anymore and load it on your computer. You know what I mean? It's like uh, Office will be there. Um, you know, you could argue that it's already there. Um, everything really you know everything subscription-based cloud-based it's there i think it's the funniest argument when people like will get into the mac versus pc argument and it's like does it have a browser because that's really all we're using nowadays and it's just you know i get it it's it's deeper than that but you know the reality is um everything is subscription-based at this point so it's not a hard sell to uh talk about cameras being subscription-based um, they're almost kind of like ready for that conversation. Um, so it's it's getting there for sure. Um, whether we realize it or not, it's they're already yeah. expecting that to be an option. As an integrator, I'm definitely ready for those like those things that Mike, like Mike just brought up is, is like the updates and just the general maintenance and accessibility. All those things are like huge benefits to us for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, anyways, it's, it's a good, it's a good movement. I hope it keeps, it keeps pushing that way. And, and on the flip side too, I mean, I have clients that cloud is no, the answer is no, <laughs> no way, shape or form not happening. So you, you're always going to have those clients that are, that on-prem is, is that's all they're going to do. And there's nothing you're going to do to change their mind. Yeah, absolutely. And there's still a ton of people out there. Like I, I people that literally will not have it plugged into their network. It is a completely isolated system and they're okay with, you know, sending a guard to go pull footage, you know, and that's that they're happy with that. And I'm like, Oh, don't you want to see it from home? No, I, I want it as secure as I can be. Okay. So you're going to put it in a cage, lock it up, you know, throw away the key. And they're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw it put it in a cage and lock it up and throw away the key. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't a solution for you. I mean, there's a lot of solutions that wouldn't work for you, but this is definitely not one of the ones that you like. And, you know, back to what we always say, right? You as the integrator, this is your job to listen and, you know, figure out it's what is a successful system for them, right? What would be success? What meets their needs? What makes them happy? Because they are your customer, right? So... It, it, it always flows back to that, right? You know, having better integrators out there, people listening and not just throwing up everything they can as fast as they can with the largest profits they can. You know what I mean? It's like giving everybody, just shoving it down their throat, you know. And that, I, honestly, I, I see that a lot sometimes. It's one of those pain points for me. It's like somebody sold you this. It's like this It's not even close to what you need. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, cleaning up after people. And, and I, like I said, I think as integrators, you know, all the guys in the Slack community and if anybody listening is interested in joining, please do, you know, contact any one of us on Instagram or and we'll, we'll, we'll point you to the right place. But we're, we're always about, you know, finding better solutions, not just doing better installs, cleaner installs, but it's, it's, it's leveling up everything, right? Knowing what to do, when to do it what to recommend for people and, you know, learning how to work that ear, right? Because the ear is something that, you know, you need to listen to clients with. And, it, and it's not something you just, you know, wake up and say, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's like, no, you got to take your time and you get better. You ask more questions, right? I know when I first started doing the surveys, I wasn't asking the right questions, right? And that was my mistake. And I wasn't 
being the best integrator that I could be. But, you know, listening to people and hearing what they want and what they need, which are sometimes different, is very important. So that's something we definitely, you know, get better at. And cloud is one of those things. It's a really touchy subject because, you know, you, you've got the other end of the spectrum that's like, no wires get plugged into my surveillance system. And then you've got, you know, I want to see it from, you know, the beach house in Miami on my boat. You know, so you've got those opposite ends of the spectrum. So you've got to listen and figure out which one you have, right? Is or And if he was willing to pay for it. Like I said, these things are not cheap. I would say the per camera cost for cloud is higher than an on-prem. In my, in my, what I looked at, I would say, you know, I'm not saving anything. If anything, the, the, the cameras are more expensive, right? It, depending, right? Because you could buy, I mean, I, I quoted out some $4,000 access cameras two days ago. So it, it always varies, right? You got small cameras, you got big cameras. But generally, you know, we're not selling $4,000 access cameras every day of the week. That's kind of like a special customer who's willing to have a need or, or spend for that. Or you're just a big system guy, you know, and I can say personally, I'm not the big system guy, but um, I, I would say that comparable, if not a little higher on the cloud side, has been my experience with pricing it out. Depends on the system. I, I mean, I compare it a lot with uh, yeah. with the Vigilon, and it's pretty darn close. You get in the Genetex, the milestones, uh, the exacts, you know, you get in that level, and it's it's not far off, especially when you start throwing in support and, you know, that server's going to have to be replaced at some point. Yeah, it's going to be a big check. You know, same conversation we had with with access control and the on-prem systems, right? Predictable spending, or budgets, I should say. Yeah, and Absolutely. kind of going back to your point of lending your ear to the client, figuring out what they need, be like being the better tech. It it really is important. And so, like, I spent a lot of time as a technician when I was early in the field. And I didn't know anything. And I didn't go out and look for information. I just showed up at work. They pointed me which way to pull cable or screw a camera onto a soffit. And I just went. But it's really important that us as security integrators do know about things like the cloud. Do know about these things. Because the minute that we don't, they'll sell us things that don't push us towards security. And so if we're not out there with our ear to the client knowing what the solution needs to be and then looking at the solutions we have and and not putting it under the microscope and knowing about it and knowing how to put it in correctly then we're doing a disservice to the I mean at that point to the entire world you, you know from from a security aspect so I think it's really important that the that the people listening to this podcast the people that are you know joining into the slack group for technology worldwide that we continue to push and be at the cutting edge of what's coming out so that we know that it's serving the world for security purposes the best it possibly can and it's just not making the money or the flashiest thing so i think that conversations like this highly important Agreed. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that Slack community is just awesome. And I mean, I mean, that thing you showed, Mike, the uh, ICT panels, that's really interesting. It's really cool. And I, I like that, you know, people are sharing, you know, panels, they're sharing work, they're sharing new tech. It's It's keeping everybody up to date it's keeping you all up to speed and it's keeping you sharp right because 
you got you got to go out there and you you know you're not only installing this stuff and selling this stuff, but you got to understand this stuff. You got to know how it works. Well, that, I think that's that's can be a big differentiator. There's a lot of client, a lot of companies that try and do everything to every everybody, you know, or be everything to everybody, I should say. Um, and that, I just don't get how clients or how companies can do that uh, and be very good at it anyway. And I do agree, you know, 100%. You got to listen to the clients. But uh, and and learn what their needs are. But I, I think you also have to be very. Um, you have to pay attention and learn the industry and understand your product. My goal is to know my competitor's product better than they know it. Um, I mean, I know a Vigilon like the back of my hand. I know Ava, you know, like the back of my hand, and that's just because I'm just relentless with this stuff. I was up till 1 a.m. last night working on uh, some integrations with Checked last night. Uh, and you, you guys, if any of you guys ever come to my office, I have hundreds of cameras. I have from every different vendor. I'm just relentless. I want to know the industry. I want to know the products. And that's just something I, I think that's really helped us uh, grow tremendously. So I think that is, is critical for everybody to, to really focus on, learn your product really well, and learn to say no. Like, me personally, you know, I'd rather lead with these two products, have a conversation with the client, and if it's not a good fit, go like, you know, client, this this isn't a great fit for you. Uh, I, I think you have a better option going with this product and walk away. I'd rather do that than try and stuff a product down a client's throat that's not a great fit. Um, and that's that's just kind of been our recipe for success so far. So I want to, I know we're getting close to the end, but I want to toss out some questions to you guys. And kind of see what you what your thoughts are, and and this is questions that come from people, right? Not exactly myself, but so the big topic is what's more secure, cloud or on prem? Well, who's who's a better uh, uh, who's a better uh, IT administrator? You or the guy who works for Amazon Web Services? <laughs> That's typically the answer I get to stuff like that. Is uh, as much as I want to like I'm. Pro on, pro, I'm not pro or anti either, but uh, when it comes to to cloud, depends on who's who's hosting it, I guess in some sense. But for the most part, the people who are working for server farms and data centers and and for these major cloud storage companies are uh, a lot better network engineers than any of us security professionals are. And so I would say, in a lot of ways, cloud is more secure. I always, uh, you know, I, a lot of, I do commercial, I do residential. That question comes up in both, uh, both, both, both people, both people want to know the same thing. So it's just like, I always answer at the same, when there's a will, there's a way. And that's, that's everything from viruses to, you know, security to cameras to everything in between. I mean, you know. Except for, like Mick said, if it's just not plugged into a network, uh, which for the longest time, that's how it was over here at uh, Better Days Global Headquarters, because, you, know, you know, it's like the cobbler's son. I had, like, the worst camera system going, but it was like it wasn't connected to the network, and I was able to pull up when I needed. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's uh there is no easy answer i just say you know with anything with technology how secure is my wireless how secure is my camera system how secure are my doors when there's a will there's a way i mean that's unfortunately um the world we live in so i have one one thing that you just reminded me of is i have a friend who's uh um, a uh, chief information security officer in the banking vertical 
and uh, for a pretty large company. And um, he always says he uses something he calls the assumed breach model, uh, and that your assumption is that you will like somebody can and will breach this. And so uh, the way to actually protect yourself is to silo in some ways your uh, your systems and to where like if like when this is breached that that breach doesn't equal a breach of everything um which is maybe a little bit bigger than uh probably gets a little bit outside of our scope necessarily but we can view our our work in that way as well i think one of the most important things with the on-prem side that we can consider is uh are we working with network administrators are we setting our stuff up in a way that you know, one is as secure as it can possibly be, but if it were to ever be breached, what does, what are the consequences of that? And the consequence should only be that your system is, is affected and hopefully not, you know, the rest of them, but. Well, yeah, and it's true, you know, are you always updating your NVRs, your Windows NVRs with the latest Windows patches every time they're released? Are you updating your switch firmware, your router firmware, your camera firmware, your, you know, that's automatically done with the cloud, right? Because I got hundreds of NVRs deployed. I mean, it's a work <laughs> to stay on top of that on Windows to do it. But then all you know, on the flip side, you know, then you put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, Ricotta had backdoor acta access to everything and they gave it to their interns i mean they, okay so is, is are you putting all your eggs in one basket or you, you know are you going to protect yourself and, and all the equipment that you have on site i i don't know which one's more secure uh, at, at this point i think they both have advantages and they both had disadvantages yeah i'd probably agree with mike um i think that that's uh it's a pretty deep question because i feel like it it has to be answered from the scope of security and convenience are on either side of the balance. And if you want more security, you have to lose convenience. And if you want more convenience, you have to lose security. And so if, if you're going to take the word for secure to mean that, like, can it be touched? You know, can someone get access to it? Then on-prem, siloed, not on the network something that you have to go, you know, you have to inconveniently send a guard to go pull footage to see what happened, you're not using analytics to, to integrate and touch your systems, then yeah, that technically is more secure. But when, but there is a balance to which you give up some of that security for the convenience of it that let's say now we can have the analytics because it's on the network and it can ping my phone, then truly I'm coming out of it with the, with, with the value of, well, it is actually a more secure system. So it's hard to define on that word of like what is secure and balancing that security and convenience. But I think that like Mike, there, there, it's a, it's too hard to say on on either end. But what you're gaining from cloud access is those those greater, faster analytics, and what those analytics are getting you is left the bank, right? So bang, so you're, yeah, bang, baby. So you, you're. You, you are gaining a lot from cloud access, and I do think that it would be in security world's best interest to to embrace it and to really start using it in, in a positive light. Yeah, I love that analogy, saying that you, it, okay, yes, it's harder to get into, right? You're going to have to get the whole Tom Cruise to get into the building <laughs> to, you know, get that server. But at the same time, is your security better when you do that. And I would say, no, it's not better. 
you've made your security so hard that you can't even get into it when you need to be in it, when you need to be proactive, doing something. Um, another question, this, uh, how much time do you spend on research? So I know personally, the research is fun. I buy so much demo gear because I have to play with it because I have to know, like Mike said, I have to be really good at it before I can sell it. And I have to know how to set it up. You know, I don't sell anything I don't personally work on. And that's just a, a rule of mine. You'll never get me to sell it if I, I haven't plugged it in and played with it. Because, like you said, I have to be, I'm, I'm the guy holding the bucket at the end of the day, right? They're going to call me and say, hey, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. This integration sucks. And it's like, no, I need to be confident that I know this works. I've done this three dozen times. I got you. So what what are you guys doing for in terms of research? How much time are you spending? Let's hear it, Mike. How much time? How many hours you clock? Uh, I don't know how many. <laughs> Too many. One million every One day. Million. One million. <laughs> I, I'm I'm at a lucky point of my career where you know uh, my company kind of runs without me being involved with everything. So I have the luxury of you know going to events. I have the luxury of attending webinars and ordering equipment and and testing. Like like you said, my office is is insane uh, when it comes to equipment. And then that's five o'clock, and then I come home and sit in front of my computer till midnight. And I do this every day. You know I've done it for 15 years. So, you know, um, even longer than that, if you counted before I started my company, that's puts me at 20 years. Um, so a lot of time. Uh, I wish I could put a number on that because it would probably make me sick in the stomach. <laughs> uh, but, but it's been worth it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, 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 it's been worth it. And that's where my passion is. I do re truly enjoy, you know, learning the technology and understanding it. And I think it's uh, a major advantage. Yeah. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, my answer is not enough, um, not as much as I want or intend to uh, is, is really the, the big thing because, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions and I push pretty hard at sales reps and I do a lot of research and, uh, you know, vetting things as far as like reaching out to folks, asking questions, you know, all of that side. But as far as, you know, I, I come two and a half years into the business and so I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I get uh Sometimes I'll lose the forest for the trees uh, that I'm staring at, you know, and uh, that's, that's a, you know, a hardship and something that, you know, we're trying to structure and move things in place so that we can be more thorough with those things. Like we've kind of got bit in the butt with another uh, integration um, <laughs> this, this week that, uh, that, you know, we asked a bunch of questions about and we were assured X, Y, and Z. And then, put it in and lo and behold oh well it actually doesn't do this this or this or this and i'm like well that's exactly what i needed it to do so thanks uh but i've got to take ownership over that as well and now i'm working to dig my way out of it so uh, i i definitely admire and, and appreciate the way you guys are taking your craft and your trade seriously uh and that you guys have, have spent as much time as you guys do on on those things and it's something i aspire to as well I'm definitely curious to Chris, like, I mean, just, just as somebody who listens to your podcasts pretty frequently, I think, I think I've heard most of them. So I, I can only imagine how much time you spend just recording those. 
Like how much time do you, do you think you spend in a week just learning? Well, I would say my research is a little different um, from, from Mike. Like I also have the passion. I don't necessarily have the capital or I'm not running a business to where I can demo stuff, get it in front of me, play with it, that sort of thing. And my passion does lie more in like what's coming down the pipe, what's happening out there, what what is what is making waves and what is um, not. And so I do spend a lot of time like quick reading uh, a lot of articles from Security Mag to you know Security UK to IPVM. I, I spend a lot of time on those things, and I also find a a, a passion on the on the like the thoughtful side of it, of, of, of thinking about what you're doing. And that's what I try to bring with my podcast because I do think that I started the podcast just out of the sheer void of that for me when I was looking for it. And so, um, I don't know. I, I, I probably spend, if I had to quantify it, I mean, maybe 20 hours a week, like reading and, and, and doing things. It's, it's kind of like that build 10,000 hours to master your craft. And I've just been doing it at 20 hours a week, like for the entire time I've been, you know, a, a little over a decade of being in the security industry. So it adds up over time and it helps when you do that. It helps when even on the demo side of things, when you get yourself in front of things and you build that time, then a couple years down the road, you don't have to spend as much time in front of a camera system because, like Kyle said, you know what you're looking for. You get in, you look at it, you go, oh, yeah, this integrates similar, this and that and the other, and you begin to um, compound interest almost, like also interest in the things that um, you can get ahead of it. So I try to do that with my podcast, like you said, Ray, and I just I, I, I love getting the news, you know, like hearing what it is, man, what's going on. The chit chat, the podcast highlights, and the the meat, and so yeah, definitely. So somebody had asked me a question the other day. Actually, it might have even been today, but like the world is blurring together for me anymore. Uh, what was the last book you read? And unfortunately, my last response was like a, a Meraki Tack article, <laughs> like because that's the only things that I read. Man, it's like Microsoft articles because you got to stay up to date on all their patches before you can deploy. Um, you know, a lot of Meraki stuff because they, they keep changing the rules on things, right? So one day a VLAN works a certain way and the next day a VLAN works a different way in their world. So it's, in my world, it's the only reading and, and things that I'm doing is is tech reading. Do you guys feel that that's the, the same in your, your businesses? I joke around with my kids and tell them I, I never learned how to read because they talk to me about books and it's like I probably can count on you know, two hands, the books that I've read, but it really doesn't matter because I've probably read, you know, NEC cover to cover for every three years that it's come out. Like, you know, and it's not, it's tech manuals. That's what it really is. And, and I've read tons of tech manuals, but I don't read novels that often. And it's probably two a year that I actually get the time to read. And they're, they've been self-help for most of them, for the last couple of years since I've, you know, gone into my own business. But yeah, like you said, they're, they're tech manuals. I'm reading, you know, chapter, chapter 300, subsection 12 of the NEC. Or, you know, that's my favorite. That's right. I was going to say the same thing. I feel like I read more manuals than I do anything else, which is uh, mind boggling. But, uh, 
I will, I will give, I give you guys a pro tip. Uh, audiobooks are still, I know they're not new, but you should listen to them. They're great for you. Uh, I just listened to the Kevin Hart, uh, you can't make this up biography. Worth, worth your time listening to. It's a, it's a laugh. So recommend. Yeah. That- I think that's my problem with, with I'm not a huge book reader either. I think the last book I read was Profit First, which I highly recommend if you're a business owner. But um, I, I'm a manual guy. I love a good manual. And I've done that since I've been a tiny <laughs> little kid. You can ask my mom. I used to read the VCR manual, anything I could. I love I, I loved reading manuals. But books, and I think a lot of the books now, especially when it comes to technology, they're outdated uh, almost instantaneously, right? Um Compared to, you know, I, I read on the internet all day, every day, you know, I'm IP video market, other websites, manufacturers, forums, you know, every, everywhere I try and just, you know, uh, need input uh, to, to just keep surviving right there. I wish I could, you know, speed read and get that information in my brain faster. Mick, you're muted there, buddy. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. Yeah, it was me. It was me. So I want to respect everybody's time, and we're going to wrap this one up. But uh, I I definitely think that we're going to do the IG live question. Right, Ray? We can do that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. When do you want to do that? Let's take that offline. Maybe in a week. I'd hope to do it in a week. Okay. But, you know, holidays are coming, so that may may not work for everybody. but definitely, you know, this was a great conversation. I think we could finish it. And I, I think we uh, we got to keep this going. We got to keep some more security talks going and, and, and give the people what they want. Because you know they want to hear the professor talk. Stop, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He was being poetic tonight. I don't know if you noticed that. He got a little, got a little poetic and educated he I, on us. I, he used some type of word for... Uh, for uh, police, I don't know. Something wild, I don't know. He used something more earlier. Uh, I, had me shook. I feel like we got very, very serious, very zen Uncle Bear today. He said something. Like it was very. Like, yeah, there it is. See? <laughs> he, he was up there reading the dictionary before this started. <laughs> I got this thesaurus up on my other main <laughs> monitor here. What very large word can I bring into the podcast this evening? I think he visited I love it. one of my clients today. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I know where you go with that one. All right. So I, I'm going to finish this off with a plug for the Technology Worldwide community. Uh, if you're interested, we have discussions like this all the time. We're showing off new work. We're showing off new things and trends. Um, so go ahead and, and, and you know hit one of us up. You can find me on Instagram at Trican Security. Uh, Mike, where can they find you? Mike. Sorry about that. Went on, uh, went on mute. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Michael Miller and TWG Security. Bear, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Uncle B-A-E-R underscore and the Security Today podcast at Security Today podcast brought to you by Sprinter Business. <laughs> I got to love hearing man. That. I really hey, do hey, love hearing I do, that. I do have it just rolls off the tongue. It does. I do have one question about Sprinter. How many subnames does Sprinter have? Sprinter Datacom, Sprinter yeah, they, Business Solutions, Sprinter IT, Sprinter. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot of Sprinter, DBAs, bro. Business Solutions, Logistics, IT. Yeah, it's it's all under one umbrella. Uh, Jeff, how can they find you? 
I'm at Better Days Tech on Instagram. Kyle? Uh, on Instagram at sophiaconsulting.io, uh, but also hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, you just have to search for my pretty face on all those Kyle Bakers. <laughs> Ray, I'll turn it over back to you. No, man, I think this is great. Uh, definitely reach out if you're thinking about joining the community and if you love what these guys have said in the last two. Uh, this is definitely a growing community of, of really incredible talent and individuals such as the gentleman on this uh, talk, so please reach out. You can find me at uh, Libertas Ray pretty much everywhere, whether that be LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all the good ones. Um, but find the technology community, technologyww.org. It will actually take you to a link that will – allow you to sign up to our Slack channel and follow us and check out all the videos as well as links to all the podcasts that we've gotten. You know, it's, it's just awesome that you guys are taking out your time, especially during a holiday week. Now uh, we're all ramping up. It's uh, really, really appreciated that you guys take time out of your uh, evening and from your families to be with us tonight. So thank you so much. Thanks for hosting. Have a good night guys. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. See you.